are my friends, the Ultimate OD Podcast, have an amazing episode for you today. We are continuing our talk about the CEO mindset. You want to work on your office, what does that mean? I'm going to tell you. We have a little office talk, closing thought of the episode. This is the Ultimate OD Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to Optometry, the Ultimate OD Podcast, building better doctors one episode at a time. Here's your host, optometrist and practice owner, Dr. Nick Lilly. All right, my friends, the Ultimate OD Podcast. Just want to give a shout out to everyone that's been reaching out, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, emailing us, just giving us reviews. We really appreciate it. It helps us grow. I know some of you guys are just catching up starting out for the first time, realize that everything that I say, I truly believe when I'm doing it, uh, things evolve and change. For example, if you're starting early in the podcast, you'll know that I was on this journey to be a myopia management guru, right? I want to be the best at it. And then I actually started doing it. And you know what? Wasn't exactly what I thought it was. But when we get to office talk, I may touch on it, but I did sign up another person for myopia management. I still am doing it. It's just not what I thought it would be. I did find scleral lenses. I love that. I had a fit this week. Again, I will talk about that. But before we get started, you need to listen to episodes 83 and 84. All right. That's where you set your strategy. Remember, I've listed all the things that we're going to be looking at, whether it's marketing, your numbers, your staff development, you being the ambassador of your office. Listen to those episodes. All right, that gives you the outline of where you should be spending your time, what you should be working on. You're not going to do every single one of those year round. All right, once you decide what you need to work on for the next six months to a year, I'm now going to break down each and every one of those things. All right, so we gave you the strategy, the topics to look at. This week, we're talking how to develop your team, what you need to do to coach them to be the best they possibly can be. So let's look at this. Remember, 40% 40% of your time is on big picture, 10 years down the road. 30% of your time is on the day-to-day, three-to-five-year plan, all right? 15% on the things that give you success. So your resources for your staff, um, making sure your managers are developed to where they need to be, having the best marketing plan in place, the numbers that matter, okay? And then the last 15% is on developing yourself, all right? This the coaching and team stuff, you need to have the big picture plan, the future organizational chart to see where you want to go, but you're going to have to develop that to get there. So essentially the meat of this, when you're talking about coaching team and strategy, I think is the three to five years, the 30% of your time is on this. So if you want to have the best possible staff you can be, this is the episode for you. All right. We're going to keep going through that uh, the next few episodes, but this is coaching your team, developing your staff. All right, this is crucial. This is your bloodlines. This is how you have a successful business. Private equity, when they are looking at an office they want to acquire, one of the things they will look at is how tenured your staff is. A staff that's been around for a longer time is appreciated. It will give you more value. Why is that? Well, have an office, or have you ever worked in an office where everyone's been a year or less? kind of sucks, right? You don't have any culture, you don't have any consistency, and you're kind of just trying to get to the next day. If you've been in an office where you have people around for multiple years, 
you guys have a culture. You have a way of doing things, and it is consistent, and I think it gives you a better better product to sell, okay? Step one, before I get into that, this starts with hiring, okay? I know it's a tight labor market. Sometimes you're making exceptions. This is the best you got. I will tell you this right now, hire slow, fire fast, right? You need to have multiple layers when you're hiring and get the right person. You cannot train personality. You cannot train a good person. You can train the skills to be an optician. You can train the skills to be a receptionist, to be a tech. You can train those things. You can't train someone to work hard, to have a personality, to care about what you're doing. All right? Hire good people. You have to work with them every day. If you don't look forward to going to work because you don't like the people there, it's not worth having an office. I'll tell you right that, that right now. I've had that happen, and you dread it. You go there, you're walking on eggshells, and you just want the day to be done. But if you go there, you like who you're working with, everything else feels, takes, takes care of itself. Okay? So, remember, step one, get the right people on the bus. Step two, get them in the right seats. Now, this is crucial. We've talked about this in our strategy session, uh, future organizational chart, right? You need to know where you want people to be, what the seats actually are, okay? That's for the five to 10 year plan down the road. But for today, do you know what seats you have? Are you hiring for an optician? Are you hiring for a receptionist? Are you hiring for a front desk coordinator? What are you hiring for? Know your seats. Put the people in the right seats. You may have a very talented person that is your optician, but you know what? They're not great with people. They're not bad, but they love details. They love like the back end stuff. They love spreadsheets and stuff. This is a person you want to work in your back end, doing your uh, insurance work, stuff like that. Find out what their skills and abilities are and put them in the right spot. Okay. So that's just a big overview of getting the right people, getting the right team. Now, once you have that right team, the next step is getting them where you want them to be. All right. That's looking to the future. Now, remember, you are the CEO. You're the conductor. You're not the musician. All right. When I say that you're going to do mentoring and stuff like this, a lot of your interaction will be with your manager or managers okay you have the vision you have the plan you got to convey that to them they're the foot soldiers getting it to the staff and making sure it's implemented right if you get stuck if you get drawn into that day-to-day and you're the one that's reprimanding someone for not wearing the right attire or not answering the phone correctly or not doing it correctly in optical how you present things you are not the ceo you're a manager We are not managers. We are the CEO. We are the conductors. We're leading the orchestra. You have to remember that. All right? So you're in charge of mentoring the people that carry out your goals. That's your managers. First thing you need to do is ask yourself this question. If you could talk to yourself on the first day you became a manager, you know, before you're the CEO, when you first started the office, what would you tell yourself? Okay? That's a step one. I'm 10 years in and I've learned so many things, right? Why did I learn these things? Because I was 
No one really guided me. I just had to go in there and do it. And I fell flat on my face numerous times, right? You have the luxury of experience. Your managers will benefit because you've already messed up. Now you're going to show them the guide rails. You'll show them kind of, this is the route I want you to stay in. They're going to mess up. They're going to fail. They're going to fall on their face, but you're there to help them up so they can recover quickly. They'll learn the lesson a lot quicker, but you have to let them go. All right. Give them guidance, help them, but they're going to have to just do it eventually. Okay. Things that I learned that I would tell, I, I try to tell all my managers balance. All right. You can't do everything. The more effort you put into one area, the less in another. All right. You have to be balanced. And that includes work and life. Right. If you get a manager that is just never leaving work at work, they're going to burn out. They're going to be gone and know what you're going to be doing. Training another manager. Don't do that. Balance is key. Learning to delegate. I used to do every single order. I would handle every problem. I would do everything I possibly could to make sure I was going to have a successful office, right? Okay, when you start out, you have to do that. But if I'm wasting my time, effort, and energy doing that right now, I'm never going to grow. I'm never going to expand. And my team is also never going to grow, never going to expand. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to leave because everyone wants to be in a position of responsibility. They want to have some kind of skin in the game. They want to have power, right? By you micromanaging, you're not letting that happen. So you have to delegate. And like I said, you have to let them fail. Once they fail, you can then get your point across because they'll listen more. Just don't let them make the big mistake. That could be catastrophic. Most of the things that they're going to do, not going to be into the world. All right, learn from it, get better. And then something that I learned, and this is counterintuitive to me, because when I played football in college, every single play, every single practice, everything was criticized. So if I ran a play, they'd tell me what I did wrong. Then after practice, we'd watch film of it. And again, they'd tell me what I did wrong. And then the next day, we'd be at practice. Before I did the play, they'd tell me what I did wrong, and then we'd go from there. And I got better, and that's how I did it. I took the mentality into my office. And you just take a wild guess about how that went. Not very well. So when it comes to giving feedback, especially negative feedback, less is more. Sometimes it's better to give overall feedback to a group rather than an individual because then they feel they're being picked on. And then you don't give it to them right when they come out of optical because then like if you're trying to help them be a better optician or if it happens right when they get off the phone, unless it's again a catastrophic mistake, Put it in your back pocket. Save it for the end of the day. Let's talk about this. Because otherwise, every time they get on the phone, they're going to be nervous. They're going to be know you're listening over their shoulder. And it's not going to let them feel comfortable to be themselves. Okay? To really put the best effort in there. If they think you're constantly just micromanaging them, not going to be successful. So, things that I learned that I would tell or I have told my managers. Okay? So, You figure out what it is and then figure out what your managers need. All right. I suggest you have one-on-one meetings with the managers on a routine basis at bare minimum. I say bare minimum once a month. This should honestly be maybe once a week. It doesn't have to be for 30 minutes, half hour. It can be a 10, five-minute meeting, right? Hey, what are you doing today? What's your plan? How is this coming? You know, touch base with me. And then give them feedback. Just make sure you're not losing touch of them. 
right? You can have this big picture plan, but if you're not conveying it and you're not seeing your managers carry it out, if they don't buy into what you're selling, it's never going to work. So you have to have constant contact with them. All right. When you do have a longer meeting, one that's maybe like, say, 20 to 30 minutes, make sure you have an agenda, make sure it's organized, and then have a purpose to it in the sense that you're trying to teach them one thing or you're trying to get this. We're pushing scleral lenses. Is the staff pushing this? Are they really doing the best they can in customer service? Our focus is optical this month. I don't know what it is, but you have to set the agenda. Get them working towards your goal. Okay. Now realize this is dynamic. Okay. You can have all the best laid plans, but if they are struggling with a certain thing, you have to help them fix it. All right. Don't fix it for them, but help them get there. Give them ideas. Ask them to tell you what you think they're going to do. All right. And then say, you know what? I would have done it this way, but let's go your way. It's totally fine. And then you're giving them perspective. You're also showing that you trust them. That will give them confidence. That's going to help them be a leader. Okay. You are merely a mentor helping them get done what they need to be doing. Okay. Now you have to convey to the managers that communication is absolutely crucial to this. And that's not only top down CEO to the manager, the manager has to communicate to the staff. Okay. There's a layer here. And instead of you directly talking to those staff members, now the manager has to do that. If you're a bigger office, this makes sense. If you're a smaller office, it's really hard to do. For example, in my office, I see every one of the staff members. I do everything I possibly can not to interact with them other than, you know, being a person, um, bonding, connecting with them. But when it comes to feedback, plans, missions, I go through the manager. So there's one voice that they're hearing. Okay. They need to convey to their staff what their role is, what the expectations are, and where you want them to go and develop. All right. That has to be first and foremost. And then you need to make sure that they're trying to push the agenda that you have. For example, in my office, we want to push sclerals. We want as many people to try contacts as possible so everyone knows about sclerals. This is something that the manager is training them on. Once a week, they do INRs. They talk about solutions, how to take care of lenses. All of these things are very common in my office, so they feel comfortable talking about it when a patient brings it up. Okay? Now, that's awesome. You also have to have, in my world, we call it a scorecard. Okay. How many sclerals are you seeing or how many, if you're pushing, we're really talking about AR coatings or second pairs. There has to be a scorecard where the staff can see, Hey, we did this many years supply of contacts, or we had this many scleral fits. These are the things that are happening in the office that are directly related to what the manager is pushing. All right. They need the feedback. It helps them get better and it gives them something to work for. If you give them a goal and they don't, you never tell them how they're doing. You think they're going to put a lot of effort into it. What we measure is what we work on is what we improve. Same thing for them. They need to know what's going on. So by you setting the vision, conveying that to your manager, helping your manager communicate and lead, and then the manager conveying this to your staff and giving them feedback you are now training everyone to get better. And you know what happens? At some point, that manager is going to leave or be promoted. You will have a very good feeling, or the manager should, of the staff members because she's or he is talking to the staff constantly and they know where everyone is. You've been prepping them 
to get to the position you want them to be at. Now you have a succession plan, you have a hierarchy, you have a way to promote from within, and you have a finely tuned office, okay? Now, realize as a CEO, every now and then, and this is every one to six months, you need to communicate with that staff, all right? Not the managers, but the staff. At one point, like I said, in my office, I talk to them all the time. As I get bigger, I'm not going to have that same relationship, but I don't want to lose touch with them. I want them to know that I'm a person, that I care about them, that we are all fighting the same battles. So whether it's a monthly meeting where you're part of that, or it's a quarterly review where you actually sit down and talk to the staff members, not the manager, and get a feeling for what is the manager doing well? What is the message that the staff thinks they're supposed to be pushing, right? This is a great way for you to one, bond with that staff member, future managers that are coming up in your office, in your business, but two, see how your current managers are doing, right? Get honest and real feedback, and then you know how you have to coach your managers to be better. This is always a process. I equate it to being a on a team, right? In a high school coach, you have all levels. You have freshman, JV, varsity, right? The varsity is the people that, you know, everyone sees, everyone judges, but the varsity is good if you have a program and you started it usually when they're middle school, but we'll call it the freshmen are learning what the varsity is doing. And then over the next few years, they get better and better. They move up the ranks, people move on, and it's their turn to shine. It's exactly what we do with our staff, all right? This is the next step in you being the CEO of your office, taking control and leading them to where you need to go. That's what I got. We'll have more for you next week. All right, my friends, a little office talk. So as you know, when I first started out, when I started doing this podcast, I was in the heart of learning about myopia management. I went to a weekend conference. I was reading about it as much as I possibly could. I was a sponge for it. I really liked the concept of it. It made a lot of sense. I set up a protocol. I mean, I have a contract. I have the whole thing planned out put in my 20 hours of learning about it, and we had a great program. I started talking about it with parents and patients, and it wasn't what I thought. I got a lot of weird looks, almost looked like a snake oil salesman. It just wasn't a great feeling, um, but I still believe in it. I think my opinion management is a real awesome thing. It's just not necessarily what I thought it would be. Now, I still think there's value. I still talk to patients about it, but it's not my overall focus. Why do I tell you this? Well, I have a plan in place. I've trained my staff. We're good to go. And I still bring it up. I don't market it as heavily as I used to, but I signed another patient up. So I now have like 10 kids in myopia management, two in ortho K, uh, the rest are really just using atropine drops. Okay. Um, I think a little is better than none. I have the ability to talk about all aspects of it. I don't really like the soft contacts merely because parents don't see the benefit of it. They don't know why it's so expensive and why it's any different than another contact lens. Ortho K is awesome, but getting the child to wear that lens was a nightmare. Okay, maybe I picked the wrong patients or whatnot, but I just had a lot of washout. I had four people that tried and two of them washed out. So we kind of just kind of go from there. But parents and kids, atropine is where I'm at right now. Now, again, there could be a lot more to that, I know, but how many of you guys out there are doing at least atropine? 
All right, are you guys doing ortho K? Are you doing the my site contacts, right? A little is better than none, but still offering it as an option, I think is very important. And I'll do whatever the patient wants. I just know that it's not my primary focus. I do see a lot of kids, so I think it's important, but you guys have to at least present the option if you think it's beneficial. If you have kids coming through that would benefit from myopia management and you don't do it, that's fine but you have to at least give them the resources to find someone that does. I think that's our obligation. If you didn't treat glaucoma, you saw someone that was a glaucoma suspect, you give them in the right hands. I know you would, right? Do the same thing with myopia management. Now, the thing that is my passion that I have absolutely loved, scleral lenses. I fit, uh, I have the Poseidon lens. I'm one of the like six offices in the nation that has that lens. I fit four people with it now. It's awesome. It's a scleral that honestly costs about as much as a year supply of dailies so it's for the everyday person that has a lot of astigmatism or a dry eye but has a regular cornea is correctable to 2020 and i've had a lot of success i also had a patient that came and was from uh, another office and i fit them with a uh scleral so it was a keratoconic patient right eye best corrected could get to 2040 left eye 2100 on a good day and I got up to 2020 in office and with the fit set. Amazing. Dude was just like, this is awesome. It's so funny because they're always like, is this covered? Uh, how much is it going to cost? And I tell them the cost of uh, the lenses. And they're like, yeah, I, if, if it wasn't covered, I would never do this. Then I give them the vision. And they always say, if the insurance doesn't pay for that, I'm I would pay for this. Right? He was like looking at his legs and jeans and stuff. I'm like, dude, are you okay? He's like. I've never seen my jeans like this. It was really cool. And then I'm going to take off the lens. I took it off. He goes, oh. I'm like, oh, are you all right, man? He's like, well, the vision's gone. I just started laughing. He goes, I I can't believe how I thought I could see okay. That's amazing. So it's really cool. It's the most fulfilling thing I've ever done, right? I love getting someone that can't see, you know, and you give them their life back. Life-changing is the exact words that he uses. So Sclerals are where it's at. I love it. It's my passion. Um, find out what you love to do. When you love to see a vision therapy patient or a pediatric patient or a glaucoma patient, if you love doing it, it makes going to work so much better. And then you're looking for them. You're looking for every opportunity. I always say if your uh, only tool is a hammer, everything starts looking like nails. All right, That can be problematic if you're uh, just pushing glasses on everyone that you know, walks into your office and they don't need it. But when it comes to sclerals and you can change their life, you can give them freedom from dry eye. You can give them freedom from glasses. You can give them sight that they never had. I think that's a win for our profession. It's a win for optometry. It's a win for the patient. So that's what I got. That's a little office talk. We'll have more for you next week. Where, oh, where has the time went? We're to the closing thought of the episode. And this is one I've done before. It's been a while, but it's just, it's, it's so good. It makes me feel uh, inspired every day. So if you have kids or you're thinking about having kids, one of the coolest things is watching them learn. And I have three daughters and they're a little bit older now. I have one, another son that's on the way. And my three daughters when I watch them learn how to walk, it is absolutely amazing. All right. They go from not even being able to move to crawling to now they're standing 
and they go to take a step and they're falling. They're hitting their heads. They're crying, but they are tenacious, right? Every single one of us was like that. Every single one of us at one point said, we are going to stink and walk and we're going to do whatever it takes to get there. And we get up and we fall down. We'd hit our head. We'd cry and we'd keep going. And now we don't even think about it, right? The when things get hard, I'm going to quit mentality is a learned trait, right? At one point, every single one of us was learning how to walk and we would not stop until we got what we wanted. I think about that often when I'm doing something new, when I'm trying to grow a bigger office, when I'm trying to be the ultimate OD that we talk about, right? And I want to quit. And I think about my girls standing up and learning how to walk. And I remember I was once there. That inside of me, somewhere deep down, there's that person, that feeling, that trait, that whatever you want to call it, that would not quit. That would get up and keep going until you walk. Okay, that it's no different than running an office to building a business to doing whatever you want to do outside of the office. You have that in you. Don't let this world, this learned trait of it's hard, so I'm going to stop, bring you down and stop you. Keep fighting, learn how to walk. That's what I got. Dr. Lily out. We want to thank you for listening to today's episode and hope that you found a pearl to apply to your practice. We believe as a community, there is much wisdom to be shared. So if you have questions, suggestions, or requests, we want to know. Feel free to reach out to us via social media and leave a comment or email us at theultimateodpodcast at gmail.com so we can make this podcast even better for you. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll catch you again next week.